Welcome to ADHD SOS. We've heard your call, and don't worry, help is on the way. This is the only podcast that combines mindset skills, cognitive psychology, and the motivational pep talks you need to beat procrastination and achieve peak performance. Join me, your host and fellow ADHDer, Tina L., as we journey from SOS to smooth sailing. Welcome back, SOS Squad. Today, today we're talking about rejection-sensitive dysphoria. For your entire life, have you always been much more sensitive than other people you know to rejection, teasing, criticism, or your own perception that you've failed or fallen short? This is the question that Dr. William Dodson, a psychiatrist that specializes in adult ADHD, asks his ADHD patients. He finds that not only do 99% of his patients agree with this statement, but about one in three, one in three ADHDers say that this aspect of ADHD is the most disruptive to their lives. The most. (laughs) That's crazy. In this episode, we'll talk about the ways in which rejection-sensitive dysphoria, or RSD, can keep us stuck and undermine our mental health. And then I'll teach you five steps to take care of yourself and find resolution after you've experienced RSD. So what is RSD exactly? Dr. Dodson defines RSD as extreme emotional sensitivity and pain triggered by the perception that a person has been rejected or criticized by important people in their life. It may also be triggered by a sense of falling short, failing to meet their own high standards or others' expectations. So the rejection may have actually happened, or it might not have. It may just be perceived. The pain experienced, though, is catastrophic and more intense and all-consuming than the pain experienced by neurotypicals. In Greek, dysphoria means unbearable. It's a reaction that is outsized relative to the thing that triggered it. In other words, a few passing words of criticism strike us at our core and can be totally debilitating. Despite the fact that RSD is so common among ADHDers, it's not a formal diagnosis that you can find in the DSM-5, which is the primary manual that clinicians use to diagnose ADHD. It's actually not formally considered a symptom of ADHD, despite how freaking prevalent it is. And Dr. Dodson says that the reason is likely because RSD is nearly impossible to measure and therefore nearly impossible to create conclusive research on. And yet it's so pervasive. Let's talk about the consequences of RSD. Experiencing RSD has serious consequences for every aspect of our lives, from our mental health to our likelihood to procrastinate. When RSD is internalized, it can look like the same as mood disorders like bipolar and can come with serious psychological consequences. When it's internalized, our self-talk can be incredibly cruel and self-blaming. And when RSD is externalized, we can go into a rage at the person who caused the pain we're experiencing. 
All of this can make us hyper vigilant against putting ourselves out there, taking risks, and engaging socially with others because we come to anticipate rejection. In response to this, we're likely to keep the rejection or perceived rejection from ever happening in the first place through our behavior. We're likely to people please. We'll mask our true selves and go above and beyond to get validation from others for fear of rejection. We're likely to avoid action. We'll avoid putting ourselves in circumstances where we could fail or otherwise become the object of criticism. And we're likely to be perfectionists. Ah, <laughs> we'll require things to be perfect so there's no chance of criticism. RSD is also closely tied with emotional dysregulation. With ADHD, our emotions can become very intense very quickly, and that can make us more prone to jumping to conclusions. And all of these factors combined can make it so tricky in the moment to understand the difference between constructive feedback, actual rejection, or just an unintentional gesture in our direction. Meanwhile, rumination and difficulty controlling where attention goes can amp RSD even more. Want to know an awesome ADHD hack? Become a follower of the show and new episodes will be served to you automatically when they become available. No need to remember to have to go looking for new episodes. Fresh survival strategies will be delivered straight to the homepage of your favorite player. On Spotify, click on the name of the show and click follow under the picture of me. And on Apple Podcasts, click on the name of the show, click on the three dots on the right-hand side and select follow. I can't wait for you to join the SOS squad. Okay, so now that we know what RSD is, why it happens, and what the consequences are, let's talk about solutions. The very first thing to do is what you're doing right now. Educate yourself on what RSD is. Know that your feelings are not over the top. They're real. They're so real. And other people feel this way too. I promise you, you are not alone. Next, I have for you five ways to manage RSD after it happens. I call this the five C's. Where possible explanations may exist. This helps keep us from jumping to the worst possible conclusion. The internal question to ask yourself is, what if I'm wrong about this? If, like me, you're someone who's easily hurt, your knee-jerk thought might be to believe that other people intend to hurt you. For example, let me tell you a story. I had a friend who said he'd come visit me before a big move. I was moving eight hours away, and even though I already lived two hours away from him, this was a big trip for him to take, I felt like this big move was going to make it even less likely that we'd see each other. This felt like our last chance to hang out. And at the last minute, he called and he said he couldn't make it because of his plans with other friends. At the time, I could see no other explanation than that he just didn't value me as a friend. Of course, none of his other behavior suggested that he didn't care about me, but in my mind at the time, that really just didn't matter. I made this one incident all the evidence I needed to prove this thought true. I ghosted him entirely, and he continued to call me for the next eight months trying to reconnect. That's how long it took me to ask, what if I'm wrong about this? 
I know that if I'd asked the question, what if I'm wrong about this from the start, it would have lessened my feelings of rejection and I would have been more open to communicating with him about my hurt feelings. The second C for managing RSD is to clarify. Clarify what the person actually meant. When we clarify, we go straight to the source and ask people what they mean. If possible, allow some time for your emotions to settle so you can ask your questions with genuine curiosity versus an accusational tone. Some examples of clarifying questions are, what I'm hearing you say is dot dot dot, what I've understood here is dot dot dot. If you've gotten clarification on what someone else meant and it's still hurtful and you still want to remain in relation to that person, the next stage is likely to communicate about how you want to be spoken to. And that is the third C. The third C for managing RSD is communicate how you best receive feedback. For example, a lot of people think that when they want you to do something, they need to at first express criticism or judgment in order to motivate you to do the thing. Parents often do this to children, and so it's how we learn to communicate with others. But it doesn't have to be. As adults, we can express clearly how we want to be spoken to. For example, I once had a landlord who wanted me to clean something up in the yard. She started her communication with, it's so gross that you would leave that out in the yard. She sent this communication by text, so I had time to sit and think about it before responding. I let the hurt wash over me, and then when my brain was a little more clear, I thought, what does she actually want here? I don't believe that she's actually trying to hurt me or criticize me just for the sake of it. What she wants is for me to pick up stuff from the yard, and she thought that she needed to criticize or guilt or shame me into doing that. I responded to her that I'll pick up the yard, no problem. If she wants me to do something, she can just tell me what she wants. I told her clearly, look, I don't respond to judgment or criticism and will not be responsive to similar statements in the future. Now she wants me to do something in the future, she knows very clearly how to communicate with me and how not to. The fourth C for managing RSD is to create safety. Create a soft place for yourself to land when rejection sensitivity happens. This means being kind to yourself, being so kind and having compassion for yourself. It means that if someone directs a knife at you, you don't take that same knife and direct it back at yourself. For example, with the landlord who said that it was so gross of me to leave that thing in the yard, I could have very easily turned that around to myself internally and said, yeah, I'm so gross. Ugh, what's wrong with me? And Honestly, a younger version of myself probably would have done just that. I might have stewed in shame. I might have beat myself up with negative self-talk. I would have taken that knife and stabbed my own self in the heart. But I've decided, I've decided that that just does not serve me. And the practical way that I've done that is to put boundaries around my self-talk. If I hear myself start thoughts that sound like, how could I blank or why am I so blank? I back up and I say to myself, "Mm, no, we're not doing that. Shame is not what I need right now. I have better strategies to handle this. 
This also means you allow yourself to have your rejection-sensitive feelings without being critical of yourself for how big they are or how easily they come on. I can let myself be disappointed about how my friend didn't come to see me or about how my landlord spoke to me without heaping on additional self-criticisms. Imagine a friend came to you with grief over these types of things. I mean, would you really tell them in that moment of pain that they're being too sensitive or overly dramatic? No way. You might help them reframe the circumstance, but you probably, probably would not criticize their emotional response. You deserve the same. Your only job in these moments when your feelings are big and intense is to be so sweet to yourself. You can recognize your child self who has probably been hurt in similar ways many times before. You can hold your child self and tell them what you probably wish you'd heard way back then. Like, listen, this hurts and this sucks and I'm so sorry. And also... We don't have to make this mean anything about who we are or what we're worth or what we're capable of. Self-compassion can seem like this nebulous concept, like something airy-fairy and hard to define. It honestly took me forever to realize that this, this is exactly what it is. It's being kind to yourself and caring for yourself, especially when you're down. It's creating your own safety and creating your own soft place to land in hard moments. It used to be that when someone held a knife to me, I would take that knife and twist it into my own heart. Now I back away from that knife and I offer care to my child self, who is actually a little girl with a lot of stab wounds. Some of those stab wounds are still healing, and I believe that much of RSD happens for exactly that reason. The fifth C for managing RSD is more of a long-term strategy, and that's confidence. Often rejection hurts because we believe that the rejecting or critical person might be right about us. That friend might be right that I'm not a friend worth visiting. That landlord might be right that I'm a gross person. My teachers might have been right that I'm sloppy and unmotivated. As I just mentioned, this is where I can see that I'm still wounded. I still question whether I was a friend worth having, whether I was organized enough or smart enough. Those wounds are still exposed. The words and actions of others are bumping up against a place in me that is still hurting. The less I question these things within myself, the less likely I am to be hurt when other people point them out. Changing this is no small thing. I mean, this involves changing your whole self-concept, who you believe yourself to be. And it's a lot of work, which is why I talk about it so often in these podcasts. Experiencing RSD is like shining a light on the wound that hasn't healed. The benefit is that you get to notice it's there and see where you still have the opportunity to heal. And you can also see where your self-concept is still shaky and could use some shoring up. I've done a ton of work around this when it comes to my thoughts about my own intelligence. That's because I had RSD around my intelligence often, and that showed me where I had work to do. It showed me that I had an old wound that wasn't fully healed. I'd spent so much of my life looking to other people to tell me I was smart. I bounced from gifted to below average and then from AP to remedial classes 
thinking that I had to live with whatever title was given to me at the time. I didn't realize that I get to decide that I'm smart. And just to be clear, it's not that now I love when people suggest I'm dumb. It's not that I won't still clarify and communicate with that person. What it means is that it doesn't hit the same nerve. I've learned how to validate myself, which means that I tell myself that I'm smart. And that means I'm much less dependent on the validation of other people. The other really important thing I've done for my confidence is that I put boundaries on my own self-talk. I don't allow myself to indulge in thoughts like, what's wrong with you? Or how could you be so stupid? If I hear myself say something like this, I remind myself, we're not saying things like that anymore. I reinforce my boundary with myself and I intentionally ask myself, what would be a kinder, more helpful thing to say right now? Having an intentional self-concept translates into confidence in who you are. It means you know and can be objective about your strengths and weaknesses. And when you know and accept those things, you can't be so easily shaken by the actions or commentary of others. I know that I'm smart, but I still make a lot of errors. I know that I have good intentions, but I'm still disorganized. And I know that I'm a friend worth having. Full stop. And now it's time for the Rescue Recap. When it's sink or swim, remember these key takeaways. All right, SOS squad. So we know that the vast majority of us ADHDers live with rejection-sensitive dysphoria as our constant companion. Dysphoria means unbearable. That's how very painful it is. But we can make it more bearable and lessen its effects by understanding it and having effective strategies to handle it when it inevitably arises. The definition, according to Dr. William Dodson, is extreme emotional sensitivity and pain triggered by the perception that a person has been rejected or criticized by important people in their life. It may also be triggered by a sense of falling short, failing to meet their own high standards or others' expectations. The consequences. It can cause anxiety, depression, and bipolar-like symptoms. In response to being rejection-sensitive, we're likely to try to keep the rejection or perceived rejection from ever happening in the first place by people-pleasing, avoiding putting ourselves out there, and perfectionism, requiring things to be perfect so there's no chance of criticism. And if all that sounds like RSD leads to procrastination, well, it's true, it does. RSD can keep us from taking action on what matters to us most because the pain of criticism hurts so freaking bad. I propose a solution when we've experienced RSD and it's called the five C's. The first is cognitive flexibility. What are other possible explanations? What if there's another interpretation of what's going on here? What if I'm wrong about this? The second C is clarify ask, what did you mean when you said this? Or what I've understood here is, and fill in the blank. The third C is communicate how you best receive feedback. 
express clearly how you'd like for the other person to communicate with you. If they've crossed a boundary, tell them straightforwardly what that boundary is. And the fourth C is create safety. Create a boundary within yourself that does not allow for negative self-talk. Tell your child self, your sweet, sweet child self, what you would have wanted to hear back then when that wound was originally created. Offer yourself kindness when you're hurting. And lastly, we have confidence. Decide what you want to believe is true about you so that you're more resilient when people bump up against your old wounds. So here's the question I want to leave you with for this week. Think of a time recently when you've experienced RSD or any painful feeling as a result of falling short or feeling criticized. Which of the five C's could have helped you to feel better after the experience? What might have been different if you had used cognitive flexibility and asked, what if I'm wrong about this? Would you have benefited from getting clarification? Could you have benefited from more internal safety through self-kindness and a boundary around negative self-talk? Did the incident show you an opportunity to improve your confidence and self-concept? What did you need and what would have helped? Often what RSD is showing us is that we're hitting up against an old wound, one that's probably not fully healed. And by recalling what we could have done for our past selves, we're more prepared to take care of our future selves. I am rooting for you and I love you. SOS Squad, over and out. Do you have a question about ADHD or an issue with productivity that you'd like to hear discussed on the show? I would love to throw you a lifeline. Send your SOS message to ADHDSOSpodcast at gmail.com. That's ADHDSOSpodcast at gmail.com. I can't wait to hear from you. 